Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Well, we are so very glad that you are joining us today, whether here in person or online. This morning, we come to the conclusion of our series in John. We are wrapping things up today, and uh, we've been in John quite a long time, quite a good while. This has been a rather lengthy series, uh, about six months or so. Do you all realize that? We've been in the Gospel of John in this series on Sunday mornings uh, for about six months. That's a long series. Usually, uh, a sermon series is, oh, about six weeks or so. Maybe eight weeks is a lengthy series. We've been in John for six months. I want to take just a moment to commend uh, Pastor Luke and our preaching and teaching staff for their willingness to do this. When we first talked about doing a series in John, we did not know exactly how long it would be, but when we committed to doing this, to walking all the way through carefully, strategically, verse by verse, all the way through the book of John, we knew it would be a long series. We didn't know quite how long, uh, but we knew it would be a lengthy process. I commend Pastor Luke and our teaching and preaching staff for their willingness to carefully, um, uh, strategically, uh, expositorily treat the Word of God. Because, folks, I want to tell you, that's what we need. This is what we need, the Word of God, truth. We need His truth. We need a good, strong, steady diet of that. In this world and culture today of tolerance and pluralism, we need the truth. We just need a steady diet of the truth of God's Word and so throughout the Gospel of John, we have been hearing over and over and over that Jesus has boldly uh, and uh, just non-apologetically claimed to be the way, the way, the one and only way, not one of many ways, uh, not a suggestion uh, or a possibility among many suggestions or possibilities. He doesn't say that he is one avenue of, as Oprah would say, many paths to heaven. No, he is the way. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty clear. In Acts 4, 12, uh, the word says, there is salvation in no other, speaking of the name of Jesus, there is salvation in no other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we are saved. Jesus is it. His name is it. It's the ticket. He's the way and the only way. And so this morning, we find ourselves in chapter 21, the final chapter of John's gospel, and here we find Peter again face-to-face -face with Jesus. 
He's been there before, but this time it's a little different, a little awkward, shall we say, this time on the shore with Jesus because some things have transpired between Peter and Jesus. And this time it's a little different, and we're not exactly sure how things are going to fall out this time. So let's take a look. John chapter 21. I want to pick up here in verse 15. We'll go back to some of the earlier verses, but I want to pick up in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lamps. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, verse 18, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me, follow me me. So as Peter sat with Jesus on the shore that morning, looking into his eyes, I'm guessing that Peter thought to himself, what is happening? What in the world is going on? How did I get here? Here I am looking into the face of Jesus, my Redeemer, my master, my savior, my very best friend, the risen Lord of life, whom, by the way, I have just turned my back on and run away from and viciously denied and betrayed. And here here I sit. What's he going to do with me? What is he going to say to me? How is he going to handle me? Is is he going to say anything to me? Is he going to have anything at all to do with me? So Peter, up to this point in his life, has had a really colorful life. I mean, think about it. Three years ago, and before he met Jesus, I mean, professionally, he was a crude, rough Fisherman. I mean, this was a rough character. Uh, by lifestyle, he was a salty old seaman. Uh, he was a rough dude. I mean, he didn't care anything at all about the synagogue. He wouldn't give you five cents for a teacher of the law. He didn't have any time for any of those guys. He didn't want anything to do with religion of any kind. And then... Jesus walked into his life, and from that point forward, everything changed. Jesus has a way of doing that. (laughs) He has a way of doing that, doesn't he? 
Yeah, you all know about that. A lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so this man, Jesus, walked into Jesus, uh, to Peter's life, and he loved Peter just the way he was. Big mouth, <laughs> selfishness, arrogance, hot temper, all of that. He took him just the way he was. I mean, he looked at Peter, and when he looked at him, I mean, he saw his bullheadedness. He saw this loud, boisterous, selfish egomaniac, and he saw something nobody else saw. You know what it was? Potential. <laughs> he saw potential. So much so that he invited him to be a part of his mission. And I love the way he did it. He didn't say, now, Peter, would you like to join me in my theological adventure of cultivating the souls of men? Nope. That's not the way he went about it. Jesus knew Peter. He knew what he was into. And so I love the way he did it. How did he invite Peter to be a part of what he was doing. I love it. He said, hey, Pete, want to go fishing? That's what he did. Hey, Peter, let's go fishing. So Peter was all over that. Hey, man, sure, let's do it. <laughs> but Jesus said, now, Peter, hold on just a second. It's, it's going to be just a little bit different than what you're thinking about. I mean, we're, we're going to use some different tools. We're, we're going to use different lures, different bait, different nets than, than what you're used to, a little different equipment than what you might be used to. We're going after different game, a little, little different fish than what you might be used to pursuing. I mean, we're, we're going to be fishing for men and women and boys and girls. We're going after the souls of men, Peter, but, but I still want you to be a part of it. And, and Peter understood just enough of it to go in with everything he had. And that's the way Peter did everything. If he was in, he was all in, buddy. And so he was in with both feet and everything he had. And man, was it a fast three years. It flew by. He learned so much. He grew. He had so so many wonderful memories. Uh, I mean, uh, example, he remembers the day Jairus came and he was at the bottom of his, his world had fallen out. His little girl was sick and they had no hope. And so Jesus said, well, let's go. Peter, come on. James, John, let's go, boys. And so on their way, they got the word, it's too late. She's gone. No need to keep coming. Peter said, we're going. Let's go. Let's follow Jesus. He's still going. We're going. And so they got there, and the mourners were there, and the mourners said, no need to go upstairs. The funeral home's already here. Forget it. It's over. And Jesus said to them, it's all right. She, she's just asleep. She's just asleep. And the mourners laughed. And they went on upstairs, and old Peter, in his mind, he's thinking, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad news. 
He's bringing this mom and dad upstairs. The little girl's gone. He's telling them she's asleep. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be bad. I don't even know if I want to go. But he follows upstairs. Jesus walks in. Sure enough, there's the little girl. She's gone. And Peter walks over, takes her by the hand. Jesus takes her by the hand. Peter's close behind. He's watching. And Jesus says, this is Carol's paraphrase, but Jesus says to her, uh, rise and shine, little girl. She sits straight up in the bed. Again, Carol's paraphrase, but I'm guessing she says something like this. You got any chicken nuggets? I'm about to starve. How do we know she said something like that? Because the next words out of Jesus' mouth are to mom and dad, get this little gal something to eat. She's had a long journey. She's been to death and back. Get her something to eat. Peter would never forget that. Then there's Lazarus, best friend Lazarus. Jesus waited four days. They're four days late. Peter's like, I don't even want to go. But, but he followed Jesus. They get there, and he hears Jesus say outside the tomb, Hey, buddy, Lazarus. Come on out. We're waiting on you, buddy. Come on out. And here comes Lazarus stumbling out in his grave clothes. And Jesus says, get those grave clothes off of him, loose him, and let him go. And to this day, Peter, sitting on the shore, could remember Lazarus running up and down that cemetery, free as a bird. He would never forget that. He could remember the healing of his mother-in-law. The day he jumped out of the boat and walked on water for a half second and then sank like a rock. He would never forget that. And Jesus reaching down and, and pulling him out, he would never forget those kinds of things. The transfiguration, uh, the, the, the evening that when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they fumbled and bumbled around for an answer. And finally, Peter came up with Jesus you are the son of the living God. Great memories, but the one seared into his heart and mind that he wanted to forget but couldn't was that evening, that Friday evening outside Pilate's Hall when he cowardly denied and betrayed his master. What was going to happen with that? That's the very reason they were having this meeting. It's the very reason they were here on the shore. And so now, let's go back and look in verse 3. Verse 3, after the resurrection had occurred, and we find that uh, Peter says, uh, take a look at it. He says, look, uh, I'm going out to fish, says to some of the other guys there. There were six other guys there with him. He says to them, I'm just going out to fish. I think sometimes we misunderstand that statement when Peter says that morning, I'm going out to fish. We misunderstand it. Because here's what we think in our mind, in our context, we think Peter's saying, well, I think I'll just go out to the stream today for a little relaxing fishing. I've had enough stress. This darkness is too much for me. I got to get away. I got to relax. I'm going to go out and see if I can find me a trout. 
There's got to be one laying out there under the rock somewhere. Maybe it's over here. I'm going to find me a trout. Maybe it's over here. Surely there's a trout somewhere. Are you bass fishermen? Maybe he says, I'm going to ride up the lake and stick me a big old lunker today. Or, uh, or, or, or maybe uh, he says, I think I'll get in the boat and go out and find my brush piles and just fill my cooler just full of crappy so I can have me a big old fish fry. Is that what he's saying? That's not what he's saying. He's not suggesting that he wants a relaxing day of fishing. That's not the context here. So let's understand it. It runs much, much deeper than that. When Peter says, I'm going to go fishing, understand it. He's saying, I'm going back to my old life. Fishing was his way of life. Fishing was his identity. Fishing is who he was. Fishing was his love. Fishing was his everything. And what he's saying is, look, Jesus is gone. I've lost everything. I've lost everything. So I'm going back to what I knew. I've lost my love in Jesus. He's gone. So I'm going back. I'm going to see if I can find my love that I once had. That's what he's looking for, his love. I'm going to go back and see if I can find my identity that I once had. I'm going to go back and see if I can find my love that I once had. And something else I think he's looking for. Jesus is gone, so his purpose is gone. His purpose used to be fishing. And so he's thinking, I'm going to go back and find that purpose again in these nets and, and in fishing. And so that is what he's saying. And so six other disciples heard him, and they said, well, we're going to go along with you. And we know the story. That night, it was a horrible night. They didn't get a nibble. They didn't get a hint of a bite. All night long, they toiled at those nets, and they got nothing. Next morning, Jesus comes walking on the shore. I love this. What was he doing? What was Jesus doing? He was looking for them. He came looking for them, specifically for Peter. He's always looking for us. He's always pursuing us. He's always chasing after you. Always. His heart of love never stops pursuing you, no matter what. And that morning, he was in hot pursuit of those men, and specifically Peter. And I love his question. I love his question. Y'all got any fish? A fisherman who hasn't had a bite hates to hear that question. I know, I've been there. And I don't think they said, well, uh, no, we haven't. I'm guessing their answer was, no, it's none of your business. And Jesus, in asking that question, let's, let's go, let's dive deeper into that question. Y'all got any fish? Jesus knew they didn't have any fish, right? 
He knows everything. He, he didn't have to ask that question. What's, did he really want to know about the fish? Is that what he was asking? No. That's not really what Jesus was asking. You know what Jesus was asking Peter? The others, but especially Peter. You know what he was asking? Hey, Peter, have you found what you're looking for out there? That's what he was asking. Have you found what you're looking for? That's what he's asking us this morning too. Have you found what you're searching for in all that fishing you're doing? <laughs> Have you found it? And he said, well, just cast the net on the other side of the boat. And yeah, he gave them fish, 153 to be exact. 153 fish. But fish is not really what they needed that day. He was already cooking fish on the shore. They didn't need those fish. That's not what they needed. So they got to shore, and, uh, and Peter sat down in front of Jesus, and they had this meeting. So what's going to happen now? What did Jesus really have for Peter? Did he have rebuke? Did he have condemnation? Did he, did he come to give him instruction to tell him which side of the boat to put the net on? No, he, did, he didn't come for all that. Why did he really come? Why did he really sit down with Peter on the shore that morning? He came to give him forgiveness, compassion, peace. He came to give him a new start. What most concerned Jesus on the seashore that day was not what Peter had done, but what he could do from that day forward. Notice, notice that in verse 15, he doesn't address Peter by the name he gave him. He didn't address him as Cephas, which means strength, rock, stability. He addressed him as son of Simon. He said that three times, son of Simon. And I think the reason is because by denying Christ, he had sort of forfeited that title. But Jesus has no harsh or unkind words for Peter. He just immediately let him know that he was in need of a new start. And he was looking for three responses from Peter, and he's looking for three responses from us. What are they? Well, let's take a quick look at them. First, he was looking for love from Peter. Verse 15, do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me more than these? So what's he talking about? Do you love me more than these? I think he's probably fanning his hand around, maybe at the boat, at the nets, at the, at the equipment, at the fish. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this career, this opportunity? Do you love me more than the comfort they provide? Do you love me more than all of that? Do you love me more than these disciples? Or was he asking, do you love me more than these disciples love me? I think that might have been what he was really asking that day, do you love me more than 
they love me because he's remembering in Matthew 26, 33 that Peter once said, Lord, even if all the others fall away on account of you, I never will. <laughs> and Jesus is reminding him of that. He's reminding Peter that he who trusts in his own heart is not very wise. He's reminding him that his courage had failed him. Jesus' question was very simple. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's not as redundant as it sounds. See, because three times he had denied Jesus, three times. And so Jesus is simply offering him the opportunity to erase the memory of his threefold denial with a threefold declaration of his love. Peter, do you ardently, passionately, supremely love me? He's just wanting to settle that love question. And basically, he's saying, Peter, I've been here all along. I'm your true love. I love you. And I just need to know if you love me. He wanted to settle the love question. Have you settled the love question in your heart today regarding Jesus? The second response he was looking for was service. Service. This is a level of responsibility. Jesus wanted to give him spiritual responsibility but he had to settle the love question first. So now the immediate mandate which follows is this love, the, is this service question, feed my lambs. This statement is also not as redundant as it sounds. See, three times he says, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. But there's a verb change here. The first time, it's bosco, which simply means feed my lambs. But the next time, it's a different verb, poimeno, which in the Greek is more than feeding. It speaks of tending the flock, caring for the sheep, taking care of, guiding, governing, defending. You see the progression. There's tremendous responsibility here that Jesus is offering to Peter. Is Jesus out of his mind? He's, he's offering Peter the opportunity to tend his sheep. This is Peter, bumbling Peter that always has his foot in his mouth. This is Peter that tried to walk on water and sank like a rock. Peter who whacked the guy's ear off. This is Peter who just, just hours before had made a miserable, awful, terrible mistake. The greatest proof that we love Jesus is seen in our love for others. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the opportunity, Peter. I'm giving you this grand opportunity to serve me. And see, here's the point. This is the purpose, the purpose that Peter was longing and looking for and Jesus is saying, I'm giving it to you right now. Here's the purpose that you want. You can have it right here. And then there's one more thing. He's looking for love. He's looking for the purpose. One more response Jesus is looking for 
is sacrifice. Notice in verse 18, the conversation takes a really strange turn. And Jesus says, toward the end of your life, Peter, this is what's going to happen to you. People are going to lead you. You will stretch out your hands and someone else will lead you where you do not want to go. Stretch out your hands. The early church understood this as a prophecy of crucifixion. It's Dr. Wettstein who observes that this was a custom at Rome where they put the necks of those who were to be crucified in uh, stocks, basically. They put them in a yoke. And once the neck was firmly fastened in the yoke, then the hands were attached to the end of the yoke. And then that person was led through the streets to their place of crucifixion. Jesus was simply giving Peter a view, a glimpse of what his future was going to hold. And ancient writers tell us that just about 34 years from this conversation that Jesus had with Peter, just about 34 years later, when Peter was in Rome, he was arrested and crucified. And when when he was before the authorities and the crucifixion was being laid out, Peter desperately uh, uh, spoke to the authorities about being crucified head downward because he did not feel worthy to be crucified as his Lord. And they granted his request. Now let's think about this just a moment. Peter... (laughs) Peter, who once shrank from imaginary danger, is now one day going to willingly face the cross and the crown of martyrdom, all because of a new start. Peter was never the same again. He became a brave, powerful preacher who led thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. And here's why I think he was so different. When Jesus told him about this matter of sacrifice and the fact that one day he was going to be led by the yoke and one day he would die as a martyr, this, this value of sacrifice became ingrained in Peter and Peter realized that he would need, in order to prepare for that, He would need to die to himself every day. And so I really believe probably from that conversation forward, for the next 34 years, I'm guessing, for the next 34 years, Peter had a funeral every day. (laughs) I'm guessing he had a funeral every morning. When he woke up, he died to himself and allowed Jesus to live through his life. By the way, that's the message of holiness. You know, we Wesleyans are holiness people, and, and, and that's the whole message of holiness. It's not really all that complicated. It's a matter of surrendering to Jesus and dying out to self. And so it's just having a funeral every day and saying, Lord Jesus, it's, it's, 
It's you living through me. I'm just dying out to me. You have your way every day. And so when Peter came to Rome and they said, we're going to crucify you, Peter probably said, well, I've been dying for 34 years since my conversation with Jesus, so it's no big, no big deal. I've been doing this for 34 years. Do whatever you need to do. And so this morning, my question to you is, how about it? Are you loving him supremely? Are you serving him unreservedly? And are you living sacrificially? My best way to ask that question is, are you having a funeral every day? (laughs) Are you just dying out to self every single morning? I don't know where you are in your life, but I do want you to know that wherever you are, Jesus is still chasing after you. And, and you may be thinking, well, uh, well, let, let me start here. If you've never surrendered to him, he's definitely chasing you. Today would be a good point to just stop <laughs> and say, Jesus, here I am. I know you've wanted me a long time. Here I am. The word says today is the day of salvation. So just stop and surrender to him and let him have you today. We'd love to pray with you about that. In the moment the band's coming and as we share in our final song, uh, the altar's open and we'd love to pray with you about surrendering your heart and life to Jesus. It'd be a great day to do that. And some of you would say, well, you know, Pastor Keith, I'm good. I, I, I love Jesus. I'm walking with him. I'm I'm really, really good. Well, let me let me give you, uh, let me let me tell you something. That's great. I'm glad you feel that way. He's still chasing after you. <laughs> He's still pursuing you. He still wants more of you. I'm glad you feel that things are good, and that's great. But he still wants more. He still wants more of you. And so just make sure that you're surrendering all there is that you know of to give to him. And this morning, if you just need to begin again like Peter did, we'd love to pray with you about that. If you just need a fresh new start, we'd love to pray with you. If there's any need, we'd love to agree with you as we share a final moment of worship together. Jesus loves you, and he's chasing after you, and he doesn't want you to forget it. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being so real in our lives and for constantly pursuing us for never giving up on us, no matter what we've done or what we've said or where we've been, you're always coming for us. And so today, help us, help us to surrender totally and completely again. In Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.